0: What's up friends? Happy Monday. Before we hop into the show, I gotta tell you about Manscaped because 2020 has been out of control, but there's one thing that you can control and that is shaving below the belt and the Lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped is the best product to do that. Heck, it's the best razor available for any part of your body. So get a hold of the Lawnmower 3.0 right now and when you do Get the Perfect Package 3.0, which you'll get the lawnmower 3.0. You'll get the Crop Preserver. You'll get the Crop Reviver. Both are essential parts of your summer care that you need right now. And why don't you add on the Shears 2.0, which is a luxury four-piece nail kit. Grab all of that at manscaped.com. And use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase plus free shipping. So check them out, manscaped.com. Grab yourself the Lawnmower 3.0, the Perfect Package 3.0, and the Shears 2.0 luxury four-piece nail kit. Hit them up, manscaped.com, code DNVR20. All right, guys, let's hop into the show.
1: From this country yeah. Sitting in the south stands, drinking the curbs from my high, the best part of the weekend. hugging a perfect stranger as they become a friend. Having a good time when the orange and blue W-I-N.
2: Tune
1: in every day with the good folks at D-N-V-R.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this Monday edition. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my guys, Ryan Koningsberg, who's out at Dove Valley for us, taking in Broncos practice, and of course, Andrew Mason. We're so happy to have you guys joining us on this live podcast, or if you listen to the podcast form, of course, thrilled that you're rolling with us. And before we hop into today's show, Got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. As all of the schools are scrambling to go online right now, MSU Denver has already mastered it. So in order to master education, why don't you check them out at msudenver.edu online to see all they have to offer, including over 750 classes and 40 online and hybrid programs so check them out at msudenver.edu slash online my boys what's up happy start of the week although in our world there really is no start or end of the week now because it is bronco's time ryan what's going on from bronco's practice muted uh, uh, there you go, Mace. I did it to Ryan.
2: <laughs> oh, does that have to be so loud? <laughs>
1: yeah, I think it needs to be louder. I don't know how I was muted. Um, you know, I gotta say, guys, it's about just about the most lit practice you could ever imagine. Just ones on ones all day, crashing together. You know, just absolutely. No, it, it was a, it was an extremely, extremely slow moving. Boring practice. If this was a TV show, I would call this a character building episode. (laughs) Uh, You know, they kind of went away from the main storylines and uh, and drilled in on on the uh, on the the lesser characters. It was, uh, I guess, a bit necessary because Vic Fangio said after practice that this was not the plan was to have this practice today. The plan was to have a normal practice today and then later in the week dial back and do the, you know, 75 percent speed scout teams, the type of thing. But if you want to know how irrelevant, uh, you know, anything that happened out here was today, I'll, I'll just tell you this. On the first play of practice, I see Cortland Sutton, he, you know, does like about 15, 20 yards on the field, pivots in cuts out Drew Locke throws a strike to him i'm like oh yeah i start crushing the keys <gasps> you know send, yeah send out the tweet that, that's a great start and then i look out there who is playing free safety for the defense you know not not anyone not just trey, Justin trey Sims, marshall not trey marshall no no it's pj it's,
2: Locke, douglas coleman
1: no not any of them it's a, a guy by the name of brett rippin maybe you've heard of him
0: oh uh, the guy that's yeah. supposed to be ripping them
1: Yes, the third-string quarterback was playing free safety out there with a red jersey marking him as number 20. Uh, and I realized, oh, oh, this is a, this is not just scout team. This is my, a glorified walkthrough.
0: <laughs> yes, and I got to give props to Vic Fangio. You know, Vic is the most football guy of football guys. I honestly didn't think we'd ever really see this where he dials things back but it's because he said this is exactly what his team needed, what his players needed. He said the ramp-up period was maybe even too fast, Uh, and now you're seeing some injuries come in. Ryan, a lot of guys not practicing today. Uh, And so I give props to Vic Fangio for doing this because every other time we've talked to him, he's talking about the urgency. we got to do as much as we can. We're going to use every minute of practice. I believe you said that just last week that we have, and he didn't. So I I, I say good job Vic for adjusting when needed to, because 2020 has been all about adjusting and Vic did it today.
2: Yeah, he did. And it's good to see, however, the reason behind it, the numerous soft tissue injuries that are adding up for the Broncos. I mean, this is something that is concerning and we're seeing it at a lot of other camps around the league right now. And in 2011, the other year that is even in the same galaxy of being comparable to this one because you had the lockout players, not the facilities that year. There were a lot of soft tissue injuries early as you got through training camp, but then they kind of wound down as they got to the season. Hopefully that's going to be the case again this year, and it's going to stabilize. But right now uh, when you see these issues popping up left, right, and center on the roster and uh, taking their toll on some positions in particular wise for Vic Fangio to at least for a day downshift a little bit
1: yeah you know I think it was the right thing to do for sure uh I lament the fact that I was invited to a (laughs) golf tournament today and instead watched the 75 percent practice but you know what I'll take what I can get (laughs) take what I can get uh it was you know it, it was I think may be good to see them get a head start on the titans uh which vic fangio did confirm to us after practice and i kind of assumed when they were going off the card there and you saw some things that you don't too often see the broncos go into that you know they started the practice with quite a few single high safety looks in a row and and you know they're kind of giving the offense a chance to experiment with how they're going to attack that on the second play of practice again Keep in mind, you know, seventy-five percent speed. uh, But Drew threw a a, just a beautiful little wheel route to Melvin Gordon, who was wide open up the sidelines. Uh, It would have gone for a touchdown against that single high look. Uh, Like I said, you had that pivot route from Cortland Sutton early in the practice. But man, you know, as as things went on, and you know, the early early practice adrenaline wore off. It went from seventy-five to Mm sixty-five. 55 and on down, and uh, there wasn't much to, to really glean um, until the very, very end of practice, which was the one time all day we saw ones on ones, uh, and it was Drew Locke and the offense in the four-minute drill trying to run out the clock on the defense. Uh, they start with two runs to Philip Lindsey, which obviously the defense was sitting on, got it to third and six, needed to move the chains uh, to kind of win the period, uh, and run out the clock, and Drew just saw the tiniest of windows for Nick Vanette, and just decided, "I'm going to let this thing fly." Gave him the full speed fastball, and Vanette uh, hauled it in and moved the chains, and that was the end of practice. That was about the only play that I would say you have a license to take something from today, uh, other than you know just little things like Demar Dotson did get work with the one. Well, he got work with Drew Locke although it wasn't really with the ones. It was the second team offensive line in front of Drew Locke, but I guess that's a step in the right direction. Uh, Dotson did also get work with the twos. So it looks like maybe slowly, but surely he's working his way up. And I think with these soft tissue injuries, a guy like Dotson is is probably one of the guys they're going to try to be most careful with because he was, uh, you know, the, the probably the least prepared to be out here in camp. So you got that, you got, you know, Uh, Cody White the new kid made a couple nice catches Um, but other than that you had like Bradley Chubb eating up Hunter Watts if that's something you're interested in Um, you know a couple nice runs here and there but as you guys are, are hearing here there's not much you could take from this practice and really drill down as a true takeaway.
0: I, what I'm hearing, Ryan, is that Nick the net is going to be the third-down monster, and Drew Locke isn't going to have an incompletion this year.
1: I'll tell you what. I don't know if he had one today. Um, <laughs> now, now again, you know, it was it was close to a walkthrough, but I've been impressed just across the board, and maybe this is a good segue into where I want to go with the rest of this first segment. Here is just kind of us going through and grading what we've seen from these guys uh, as we've all obviously seen different practices, just see, you know, what we've seen and where it adds up. Uh, and from Drew Locke, you know, the thing I've been most impressed with in the three practices I've been out here is his accuracy. Uh, you, you're not seeing balls sail over the heads of wide receivers. You're not seeing him throw, you know, so far behind guys that he can that they can't bring it in. I will say, you know, on the throws that haven't been perfect for him, they've still been catchable and you know uh, there's one uh, the other day where he threw it behind Noah Pham but Noah was still able to go get it and i think across the board drew has been impressive uh to me with his accuracy because that was one of the big knocks on him coming out
2: although i think it's interesting to note obviously no pressure today what do you think of his accuracy when he's under under pressure and rolling out because at least in the practices that i've been to that's where uh, if there, when there have been issues, uh, they have been under duress, trying to kind of force things a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, you know, and th- and that's important to have that uh, that perspective because to be honest, at the practices I've been, it's been across the board really good. Uh, mm-hmm. Even today, you know, in in the early goings of practice, he got chased out of the pocket by Derek Tuska, runs out, and Noah Fant got just a little bit of room between him and the sideline, and he throws a little sidearm slinger into there. Perfect, perfect accuracy on that. So in the practices I've seen, his accuracy across the board, inside the pocket, outside the pocket, running, scrambling, has been really, really good.
0: I've seen tons of pressure with Drew Locke, and I've loved the way that he's combated that pressure. I think he's manipulated the pocket really well. Uh, Then when he's throwing on the run, I've been impressed with that. And the thing I've been impressed with the most is his decision-making. Last year, he was talking about how he's a gunslinger. And if he misses eight, he's still going to shoot that ninth three-pointer in terms of a basketball perspective. And I haven't had him – I haven't seen him miss eight in a row, uh, you know, equivalent to to football. I haven't seen him be making those bad decisions left and right like a typical gunslinger would. Now, I also haven't seen him take as many shots as you would think a gunslinger would but I'm not concerned about that. I've been very impressed with his decision-making so far and really taking care of the ball, for the most part, of course.
1: Mace?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I just kind of I reiterate what I said earlier. I mean, uh, he, he's doing well uh, when he's not under duress and uh, under pressure. It's leading him to some some miscues, but that happens. So,
1: Zach, what, what grade would you give Drew Locke at this point of camp based on the combination of what you've seen and what you've heard.
0: Man, honestly, I would go A minus, B plus. I've really liked what I've seen from Drew. Probably go with an A minus, actually, because I've really liked it. The accuracy is there. The footwork is is there. I mean, significantly improved. And like I said earlier, what I'm going to come back to is decision making. There's been one or two bad decisions, which I've seen over three football practices. And that's that's huge. You're not going to be able to have uh, all of these interceptions like a typical gunslinger would. And I have not seen a gunslinger out there. I've, I've seen someone uh, that is making good decisions. And so I, I, I've i really been impressed, especially with all the pressure that I've seen. He's done a really good job.
1: Yeah, I think I would go with A- as well. And, and the way I think of that is... Case Keenum had A plus uh, in, the infamous, <laughs> in the infamous Keenum camp, uh, he was an A plus. I, I don't know how much more I could have asked from him in that camp, which really you know skewed our uh, predictions for the Broncos the wrong direction. and then I look at B- Joe Flacco last year, and I'm thinking like, C+. Plus? Um, I just remember, you know, someone actually reminded me of this yesterday, Zach, I was talking to one of our members down at the bar and he was like, man, I remember last year you guys were at, you know, just at least once or twice a week. We're like, do not expect big things from this offense. It's going to be boring and, and, you know, uh, average to above average at best, you know, it might be effectively boring. And I don't feel that way at all. I think there's a big gap." between where Joe Flacco was and where Drew Locke has been in this camp, but I think there, there's also a gap there from where Drew was to where Case was in that camp. So I, I think A- minus is a fair place to put him.
2: Okay. I, I've got a B, But I didn't have Case Keenum grade as highly as you guys did because he, <laughs> he wasn't pushing the ball down the field. It was check down, check down, check down, check down, check down.
1: I, did. I don't know yeah, about that. I remember that. every day, Cortland yeah. Sutton was catching a 40, 50-yard ball yeah. in the <laughs> end zone from him.
2: Yeah, it's, it, yeah Case Keenum, I, I wasn't really sold on him. The, the thing with Drew is that, if I'm pointing to the positive, it is that his when he's not under pressure, his footwork is where you want it to be. Last year, when he wasn't under pressure, you'd see him have some back foot throws, have some sidearm throws. So I've got no problem when he's doing that, when he's rolling out or he's he's under duress because that's going to force you to do some things that are off balance. But last year, he was doing those things when he didn't have to. This year, when he's not under pressure, when he's got time in the pocket, his footwork is consistent. He's throwing over the top. He looks like a classic quarterback back there the the thing so that's a positive the thing i want to see him do when he's under duress is not try to force it again i've seen a couple of those cross body throws those playing a little bit of hero ball with it that's something i want to see him break out of otherwise you just hope that when those mistakes come they don't come in high leverage situations they come say at the end of the first quarter when you can have time to battle back rather than when you're trying to drive downfield late in the game. That's why I'm giving him a B.
1: Fair enough. Yeah. And, and I think that's uh that's why it's important to have all three guys at different days and get, you know, get everyone's mm-hmm. uh, perspective from the, I, I can't get past though. <sighs> you thinking that Case Keenum wasn't that great. To <laughs> like, uh, he didn't miss a throw.
2: I admit I was predisposed though, to uh, be skeptical about Case Keenum because I thought, what he did in Minnesota was a fluke. He had a bunch of passes that easily could have been picked. Uh, I think with Keenum, the, 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 what what kept, what I kept coming back to was when he was beating guys deep, you weren't seeing him beat like Chris Harris Jr. or even Bradley Roby. I mean, he was kind of taking the, taking the weak matchup and seemed like to me, he was checking down a lot more than he should have. So that I just, I wasn't told.
1: It wasn't Chris too often, although I, I've mentioned that uh, that play where he beat Chris over the top, and Chris yeah. said, "You know, if he's this good, we're going to be really good." But it <laughs> it was Bradley Roby. Bradley Roby was was yeah. getting abused daily by Case Keenum. <laughs>
0: man, I, I thought Case was
1: great that camp too. Oh man. Yeah, I, I mean, it was a. I thought it was insane.
2: It was I, the false positive.
1: That was definitely a false it certainly thought. was. But I still come back to him hurting his knee or whatever early in the season and wonder how much that really affected him as the season went on. But that's a, a different conversation for a different day. Let's move on to the wide receivers. Uh, a lot of fanfare around these guys, of course, as you have Cortland Sutton, who's probably already established himself as the number one in this league, uh, and Jerry Judy, the guy who Emmanuel Sanders is calling up for tips calling to ask him to come down and and teach him a few things, which is just absolutely crazy to me. Uh, And so I I want to know where you guys stand on what you thought from them. Zach, I'll start with you.
0: I've got to go A-minus again just because of those two guys that you're talking about, Ryan. Jerry Judy has stolen the headlines with Emmanuel Sanders asking him for tips. Bryce Callahan, uh, A.J. Boye, and Kareem Jackson have all said that they learn going up against Jerry Judy. He he honestly, he couldn't have uh better compliments and praise this first week of camp. He truly couldn't. And we've been doing this for a long time. So we see what typically is said about guys and new guys and rookies. And this to me has taken it to a whole nother level. And I like what Jerry's done on the field as well. And then Cortland Sutton, he hasn't received the spotlight as much from the media perspective and from his players, but he's been the best wide receiver without a doubt. He is drew's go-to guy Now he has had drops, but every single time he's had drops early in practice, he's come back uh, and and completely eliminated any thought of those drops. So the drops tiny bit of of a concern, but I love the way he's responded. He's the, he's the Broncos best receiver here. Uh, And then I put it at an A minus because injuries and KJ Hamler, you're not going to have him in a big role, at least at the beginning of the season, Tim Patrick, he's solid. He, he he hasn't blown me out of the water, but I, I I think you can rely on him. Uh, but then I've also seen some good things from younger guys like Tyree Cleveland.
2: I, I'm not going to downgrade based on the injury. So I'm giving him an A and, Sutton looks like a legit wide receiver. One looks like one of the 10 best receivers in the game. Jerry Judy, you have to be ecstatic with his progress early. You mentioned Tim Patrick, Deshaun Hamilton has shown some flashes as well. Uh, looks like he's going to find a way to be in the mix on at least a limited basis. Tyree Cleveland's got a lot of potential. Kendall hidden looks like an intriguing practice squad guy. Deontay Spencer made a couple of plays yesterday out there. It's every there's everything to like about this group. And it's part of why the Broncos have the luxury of being able to take their time with KJ Hamler and that hamstring injury. They do not have to rush him back with what they have in that room. A. yeah.
1: Yeah. For me, I don't know. I, I, I'm in a, in a weird in between here. I think that if you're just grading the top of this room, it's an a, uh, and I just, when I've been out here, haven't seen much from the depth of, There was a couple nice catches from Tyree Cleveland at the first practice I was out. I haven't seen him much since then. Uh, There was a couple nice catches from Tim Patrick at the second practice I was out. I haven't seen much uh, of him in the other practices. So it's been up and down. Um, But, you know, since we're grading the quarterback, we only grade Drew Locke, I'm not going to knock them for the depth below them. So uh, Mm -hmm. I'll go A as well. You know, I think Jerry Judy has been as advertised, if not more, And Cortland Sutton looks like he's ready to take another big step. And he took a huge step last year. I think he's ready to take another one. So uh, it's an A for me. Let's move on to tight ends. What do you guys think of the tight end group?
0: Tight end group? I'm going to go a B. And and a B does not stand for bad. A B is above average. Um, But I haven't seen Noah Fant absolutely tear it up this camp. I'm not worried about Noah Fant. But to be fair, I haven't seen him tear it up. Albert O been getting a lot of run with those ones. Uh, he can catch and, and he can be a weapon, but there's still, the, still more that he needs to develop to his game. But I have really liked what I've seen from Nick Vanette when he's been out there. Uh, I don't know if I'll go as far as to say monster as Drew did about him, but I've been impressed with his receiving ability and, and the speed that he brings to, to that. I was not expecting that. So I'm impressed with, with the tight end group. I'm going to go B.
2: That's a pretty solid grade. I'd say B+. plus. The depth, even though we're kind of focusing on the starters at the other positions, the depth is something that really jumps out from this group because even though you're still concerned about Jake Butt's knee, if he can somehow be healthy, he can help you. Troy Fumagalli looks solid. I think, uh, frankly, that might be a, a tough cut to make. Andrew Beck, even though he's been quiet in the passing game, uh, he's actually been out there with the first team when they need a fullback, so that's going to help him be on the help him be on the roster. Albert O looks like he's someone who could develop down the line. His blocking really needs some work, and that's why I don't think he'll play all that much this year. And then Noah Fant, I mean, top of the depth chart, seeing him go against Bradley Chubb yesterday in one-on-one and hold his own, Chubb beat him, but Fant was also able to take the measure of Bradley Chubb Everything about Noah Fant from the feet up as a pass protector is better than it was last year. He's come a long way. Not saying he's going to become a devastating blocker, but he's willing. He can be effective. It's not going to be a situation where if you put him against Khalil Mack, it's going to be a disaster like it was in week two of last year. Clearly, he's put the time, effort, and energy in to becoming a better blocker and, that brings him closer to being that complete kind of tight end that George Kittle, his fellow Iowa alumnus, is like out in San Francisco. So, nothing but good things in general at tight end.
1: Yeah, I go B plus for these guys. Uh, I've been really impressed. You know, the number one thing that has been a surprise to me is Nick vanette uh, There's a lot of people out there saying, you know, the tape. For Nick Vanette before he got here does does not suggest that he's an upgrade over Jeff Hiram, and of course only time will tell what happens when when lights come on on Sundays. But to me, to my eye, it's a big upgrade. Uh, and I, like I said after my first practice, he's bigger, he's faster, he's stronger, he looks to have better hands to me. And you know I think you get the best look in these training camp practices because. And there's a chance that a guy, you know, might get one or two targets during a game. They get a bunch during these training camp practices, and you really get to see do they have good hands. Perfect example is that play I mentioned earlier. Drew, like you know, this is a six, six and a half yard throw, and Drew had very little space, and he absolutely unleashed it. And there was no bobble, there was no nothing. It just stuck right to Nick Vanette's hand. So I've been impressed with him. Uh, Fant was was really, you know, I thought active today. Uh, in his opportunities out there he also has good hands he's also making a lot of catches out here um, I haven't yet seen him track uh, a deep ball which we know was a problem for him last season excited to see how he worked on that this offseason uh, but overall we know that this group has a bunch of average in it and maybe some some above average as well so that's why it's a b plus for me you know I think. The depth is very solid, and I think the top end of this is really, really good. All right, the last part of the offense. Oh, actually, we still have to touch on running backs. What do you guys think of the running backs?
0: Running backs, so hard to tell throughout no. camp. Um, so I'm going to go off looks, and there, there's not a better backfield in terms of looks. Melvin gordon has got the look game, and, of course, we know Philip Lindsay's got it. So for two Pro Bowlers, I'm going A, But but in all honesty – Um, these guys have been very good weapons out of the backfield. Phil's dropped only one ball from what I've seen so far. He put the ball on the ground one time, but literally outside of that, I've really liked what I've seen. So I'm going a, because I liked everything I've seen, but it, it also is hard to tell. So it comes with a little asterisk, but it wouldn't be fair to, to give him anything other than an a in my mind.
2: Yeah, I'm going B it's good. It's fine. Uh, It hasn't always been spectacular. I think if we saw some of the spectacular stuff that we saw from Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy at wide receiver, I'd be going into the A range. Philip Lindsay looks good. Melvin Gordon looks good. These guys are as advertised. Uh, Gordon, when he's healthy, I think he's going to do well. Nice long stride. Uh, Levante Bellamy looks like he's got some promise as well. Uh, Although, as I alluded to in my report yesterday, A long, long, long way to go as a blocker. He's he was getting schooled rep after rep in the past pro drill against edge rushers and inside linebackers. So, uh, that's with Levante Bellamy. There are some intriguing things with him, but also kind of looking at the hole, he's starting to look more and more like a guy that you're going to try to sneak to the practice squad. And that's fine. Every team has a guy like that. And without preseason game, guys, games, guys. What we're going to probably see is more of these guys slipping through waivers and then going to their practice squads because nobody's going to have the film on these guys where they'd look and say, wow, we got to make sure we pluck that guy off. The Pro Scouts aren't going to have that at their disposal in the way they normally would. They're just going to be going by reports coming from out of camps. And as we know, wide receivers and running backs – Every team has a young, undrafted type guy that they bring in every year who turns heads and gets on the practice squad. They're going to default to their own guys. So I expect Levante Bellamy will still be around just on the practice squad.
1: Yeah, I probably should have offered you guys this cop-out uh, b- before, but I'm going to give it an incomplete. It's just so hard to know anything about the running backs in training camp, um, especially on a day like today where they're, they're not even going live. Um, you don't know, you know, think of it this way from a listener's perspective. You don't know if a guy was going to break a tackle ever. And a big part about, uh, you know, being a running back and having success as a running back is breaking tackles. Um, So sometimes there might be a 40-yard gain out there in practice that looks like a four-yard loss because a guy got in his vicinity and, you know, that was it. It's just too hard to tell, but they definitely passed the eye test. And the one thing that I would say if I was giving a grade that would help bump it up is I think Royce Freeman looks like an improved player. Um, And I think he looks like a guy who might have a little fire under him, might have a a little bit of worry about whether or not he's going to make the team this year, which I don't think he's had at all in the past. And I think it's bringing the best out of him. So uh, I've been impressed with him other than the first day where he really just didn't look like he was doing much. These last two practices and really the last practice. And then knowing what I know from you guys, uh, hearing that he's had some nice practices out there, I I'm impressed with Royce. I, I need to, I need to give credit where it's due. I think he's uh, he's got a little, a little fire underneath him.
0: Yeah. And when Melvin's been out uh, the past few days that I've seen, he's been very good as well, running really hard. You said the fire, Ryan, and I've definitely seen that. And Melvin Gordon truly has been everything uh as advertised in terms of the passing game he's made a, a few incredible catches and really looks dynamic out of the backfield too and that that's we can judge a little more than running the ball right
1: now yeah he beat joe jones today on a little wheel out there doing some red zone work uh and that one you know those two looked like they were going full speed at least on the route cuz joe was very upset that he got beat on it uh and and made a you know made the catch look easy so uh i you know, we've been hard on Royce and he deserves credit where it's due. I think he's, he's, uh he's playing well.
0: Do we have to do this last group guys or do we want to spare him?
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is the most important one to do because as you hear all of these good grades, we've been giving out for the offense. There's one grade that can undo it all. And that yeah. is the offensive line. Uh, it's. Oh gosh, it's tough. I think you'd probably go for me a c minus um it hasn't been awful in the days that I've seen so I, I they get a little boost from me I have a feeling it might be worse from Zach <laughs> um, because I haven't seen you know too many blitz packages being thrown out there out there at them so C minus for me it hasn't been great um, and then when I combine that with what I've heard from you guys I it, you know it probably just based on what I've seen, Uh, be a B minus, but it gets knocked down significantly from what I've heard from you guys.
0: Yeah. And that's fair, Ryan, because I'm going D and that's, that's the nicest I can do. And now it's not that every position across the line is a D because I, I, have been impressed with Garrett Bowles now, not impressed for a left tackle. I've been impressed for Garrett Bowles is what, what I thought he was going to do coming in, but he's still been giving up pressures as well. The inside of the line, a lot of uncertainty at center, and I think that's uh, that's that's bled through to the field as well. I've liked what the guards have done for the most part, but when you have a turnstile like you do at right tackle, at least from what I've seen, the three practices I've been there, and it it ruins play after play after play. I can't help that, and so that position ha- has been a failure. So far in camp from what I've seen and the rest of the line brings it up to a D, but that uh, everything else on the offense is good. And if you don't have a line, that's going to hurt the overall grade uh, significantly.
2: Okay. Since incomplete is an option. Thank you. RK. I'm going with incomplete. Uh. <laughs> and the reason why <laughs> is that we just saw Lloyd Cushenberry getting all the reps on the first team Sunday. You mentioned DeMar Dotson working with the twos today. If he ends up moving up now, they still want Elijah Wilkinson to seize that job. But if they end up giving Dotson some more looks, then I think we can kind of hit the reset button and evaluate. So that's why I'm going to say incomplete, but, you guys kind of hit the nail on the head. If you break it down individually, I feel really good about both guard spots. Graham Glasgow and Dalton Reisner look very good. I mean, I think back to yesterday when Draymond Jones and Jarrell Casey were wreaking havoc, the guy who was able to cut, to hold Draymond Jones back and hold his own was Dalton Reisner. No surprise. That's just what he does. Garrett Bowles, better than what Elijah Wilkinson and Jake Rogers have brought at right tackle. He's had some moments where, uh, he's, he struggled. There was one moment that kind of jumped out to me where, um, kind of, uh, in one of the practices I saw where clearly he had a clear hold when he'd gotten beaten. Uh, that's just kind of what you expect from Garrett Bowles at this point. But with at least one, if not two positions subject to change, I've got to go with the big fat eye for now. I'll, I'm sure I'll have a grade coming up next time.
1: Yeah, I should have known that if I brought a cop out into it, Mace was going to take it. Uh, uh, but no, you're right. That's the thing. Uh, every-
0: no, I'm not the
2: only one giving a grade here.
1: Well, I already, I already he gave a, gave a my C-. Minus. Yeah.
2: And, and remember, Zach, D is passing as we learned from Tommy Callahan and Tommy Boy.
1: What I'm tra- D's what I, get degrees. What I wanted to get to, though, was, you're right, Mace. If, if they go to the combination of Bulls Reisner, Cushionberry, Glasgow, Dotson, and things start to look markedly better, we can erase this grade and start completely fresh for them. Yeah. Uh, it's just we, we have to go off what we've seen so far, and it has not exactly uh, it, been exciting at all.
2: Yeah, I'm giving them an extension. I'm the professor saying, yeah, it hasn't been what you want as a collective to this point at the midterm, but – I'm giving you another, giving him another chance here because I be, I I believe in Lloyd Cushenberry as he gets settled in there that he's going to prove capable of the role, and I believe in Mike Munchak.
1: Yeah, I should note that you know in the days that I've been out here, again, not too many pressure packages going at them, but I don't think I remember a negative play from either Glasgow or Dalton Reisner. So no. the, the, those guys have been really good out there. All right, you know what. Vic Fangio said after practice that there's probably going to be a couple more days like this in the mix where we're not going to have too, too much that we can clean from practice. So why don't we save our defensive grades uh, for when that day comes? Uh, Because obviously, you know, we're going long here on the first segment already, and that's going to be a good discussion to save for when we get another one of these half practices later in the week. Uh, It should be noted, I kind of alluded to this on the show yesterday, uh, that Justin Stranod's injury was probably worse than maybe everyone initially thought. I, mm-hmm. I said that, and it comes out today, of course, that Strenod, uh had, had wrist surgery. Uh, and interestingly enough, while he's going on IR, Vic Fangio basically said after practice straight up, he's going to miss the whole season. So that, that's a big bummer.
0: Yeah, it is a big bummer, but... They're handling it right, right, guys, because we don't want this injury to creep into next year. I mean, heck, wrist injuries we've seen with the Broncos, uh, with Shane Ray bleeding into the next year, and and you don't want that at all. It is such a bummer, um, but if he was going to be out 12 weeks or something like that, and you were going to rush him back for the last quarter of a season doesn't really make sense um, but but definitely a blow to the Broncos, and now they're making up with it by bringing Justin Hollins in and trying him at inside linebacker.
2: Yeah, and the thing is with Stranod, in three days, based on that plus what I saw at Wake Forest, I've seen enough. I think he's going to be a valuable part of the Broncos' defense going forward. I think at minimum he ends up being a sub-package coverage linebacker, which is going to get him on the field at least 50% of the snaps. So – don't do anything to jeopardize this. You found somebody who can help you. And if he develops a bit more tenacity and aggression in the box, puts a little bit of weight on and becomes stouter there, then he could develop into an every down linebacker. I feel pretty good based on how he built what I saw from him in those practices and based on what he did at Wake Forest as well. I'm, I'm sold don't don't run him out there this year and risk the future. Let him get healthy and uh, you can pencil him in for a significant role in 2021.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a real shame uh with him and that injury and you hate to see rookies get taken out of their first training camp just cuz it's such a big steep learning curve for them in that training camp. Uh the last thing I want to ask you guys on the linebackers is do you go out and get a Nigel Bradham who became available today? Do you go out and get a Alec Ogletree, who's out on the market, or any of those guys, are you at all interested in bringing in a veteran linebacker?
0: So I know it's the popular thing, but what are you bringing him in for? What is his role? Because we know Todd Davis is a starter right next to Alexander Johnson. You're not taking uh, Alexander Johnson off the field much, if at all. So it would be for Todd Davis. So are you able to bring one of these vets in to be this very specific role? Hey, if you can do it at, at a cheap price because he isn't going to be a starter, then I'm all for it. I just I just don't know if you're going to make uh, one of those moves for this very specific role.
2: Yeah, and I think also with uh Nigel Bradham, I mean this, uh, I'm not sure about uh, how he is as a locker room guy as well. There are some concerns there. I would simply prefer to see the Broncos try to figure things out with the young guys. If they did bring anybody in, I'd want it to be Ogletree. But let's put jo- Josie Jewel out there. The one thing that Josie Jewell has in his favor, yeah, you're worried about the coverage, but he knows the defense inside and out. And in the short term with Todd Davis being out, you've got to have somebody who can make those checks and calls pre-snap and in the huddle, and that's something that he can do. So I think you kind of ride with this. Let Hollins get a few more snaps. Give jo- give Josh Watson some run because he's been flying around when he's been out there. So I think I think they can focus on it internally for now. Yeah, go Rams. Am I right, Ryan?
1: No, uh, you're wrong. But I do like <laughs> Josh Watson, the player. Uh, I think he he does show promise, so he definitely deserves a chance as well. And yeah, you know, to me, it just comes down to Todd Davis. Um, how serious is the injury? If it truly is just two weeks, two and a half weeks, and he'll be back out here, that's fine. If it's going to be longer than that, then I would bring in this guy now uh, and give him a chance to get acclimated, rather than doing you know going the Corey Nelson route and bringing him in oh. and throwing him out there, you know, on short notice. And you know, that's not necessarily Corey Nelson's fault that he had a bad game against the Raiders. He was put into a bad situation.
2: Yeah, and I mean. He's he was a veteran, but I think sometimes you just gotta trust what you've been developing. Now, last year, first year in the scheme, he thought, okay, maybe the fact that he's experienced, you bring him in, he can make all the checks and calls, he can settle things because he doesn't really have that much more time on the rest of these guys. But you know, you bring in you bring in someone like that right now, and Josie Jewell, he's been around for a year, he knows he knows what to do. Uh, Justin Hollins, he's been around for a year. He has some athleticism. I think you, he's very raw in coverage, but he you're not going to get that guy up to speed compared with the guys who've been around a year, even though they're younger players. Just trust in your depth, trust in what you've built, ride with those guys, and uh, see where
1: it goes. All right. Well, we've got all three of us together here. And I hmm. was unfortunately, as I was at practice today, I didn't get to be on uh, DNVR bets daily today so i need to give out some picks and we got to give out our DraftKings pick of the week uh so let's get to that quickly uh to my guy miguel here he said ryan you need to get some sports from a reel behind you looking a little barren." this is blame the broncos <laughs> I'm, I'm out here at, at dove valley so uh you know maybe you can put in an official request to the broncos to put up like a John Elway signed Jersey on one side, TD on the other, and uh, really spice up my set here.
0: Why don't you just actually have John Elway stand behind you and maybe
1: drew lock over the other shoulder? I, I mean, they've got
0: nothing else to do. 40 minutes of their day.
1: I like it. I like it. That's a great idea there, Zach. Maybe we can get their opinions on a few things as well. Okay. DraftKings pick of the week. I will go first here because I've been just dying to give out this pick. Uh, I've taken it in almost every game of the playoffs Ooh. and I think it's only not hit once maybe it hasn't hit twice but we're talking about you know six games now so four and two at the worst it's Miko Rantanen for the avalanche over two and a half shots on goal Miko Rantanen, over two and a half shots on goal last game I believe he had five or six blew it away uh, and the, the you know the fun thing about this prop is is you can get two in one power play and then feel really good. Now uh, other times the you know the guy just doesn't have it that day. But uh, uh, minus one thirty four, so you're giving up a little bit of juice, but nothing crazy. Miko ran in over two and a half shots.
2: Oh, oh. I'm actually, oh, I'm actually going to give you something. There's not a line for yet. Okay. Because the Braves aren't playing today. And I've got to stick with the over on strikeouts for the picture opposing them, right? Because I've won four in a row. Well, Tuesday night, Braves hosting the Yankees at Truist Park down in Atlanta. Garrett Cole is going to be on the bump. Oh, yeah. Uh, So you got to take the over again.
1: Wait, well you gotta tell me where is the highest it could be set that you won't take the over. I was gonna say
2: I'm
0: putting the over at fourteen and a half
1: since you're taking it.
2: If it's <laughs> nine, I'm not taking it. If it's okay. any so if it's anything below nine, I'm taking it.
1: Eight and a half. All right. I bet you it'll probably be set at seven and a half. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that that's good, man. I like that. Hey, do you guys know of uh this guy named uh Luca?
1: Yes, I've heard of him.
0: <laughs> he was all over yesterday, and yeah. I'm buying some Maverick magic right now. Series tied, and give me the Mavericks at plus 260 to win the rest of the series. Pull the major upset. The Nuggets didn't want to play the Mavericks, the Clippers now want no part of the Mavericks.
1: The Nuggets wanted to avoid the Mavericks so badly, they don't even want to see him in the second round. <laughs> <laughs> hey.
0: Oh, it's unfortunate, and Ryan. Yeah, you put it out on Twitter perfectly as, as I was thinking it. Um, just a terrible, terrible stretch uh, for Denver sports the past five days or so. Man, at least there's Broncos, right?
1: Yeah, but even the Broncos had a tough couple days over the weekend, too. That's true. <laughs> uh, oh, no one can man. avoid it right now. I believe it's 0 and 6 collectively, 0 and 7 if you count the Rapids. Uh, So not great, not great. But today's a new day. It's a new week.
2: Yeah, maybe they won't allow 120 points in game five. They're literally the first team in 36 years to allow 120 plus in their first four playoff games.
1: Well, I can guarantee you this, Mace. The Denver Broncos will not allow 120 (laughs) points in any game this year.
2: (laughs) You want to put odds on that? You know what? They won't allow 120 points in their first Six games. How about that?
1: Uh, uh, yeah, less than 20 points a game. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll ride with that. I'll take those odds. Uh, but I think that's a good place for us to stop. And maybe we need to change the vibes. Avs win tonight. Miko Ranton gets multiple, uh, gets more than two and a half shots on goal. That's there.
0: Fun. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I love that. And I've loved this. It's been a long one. It's been a fun one. Ryan, thanks for coming to us live from Dove Valley and Mace. We got to talk to the people. So if you're watching us live right now, make sure to check in uh, and get the rest of this podcast on the podcast form. And if you're rolling with us on the podcast right now, well, we'll talk to you in one second. (laughs) And there we go. Just like that. We're right back into the pod. Thanks for rolling with us guys and continuing to roll with us right now. And before we go any further, speaking of DraftKings Sportsbook, got to tell you about DraftKings Sportsbook because they are offering an incredible Giveaway right now with the return of sports, they are giving away 100 million dollars in prizes to all of their customers, including one lucky winner who will take home one million dollars in cash prizes to claim your share of the 100 million in instant giveaways. All you have to do is download DraftKings Sportsbooks app and sign up using promo code DNVR, then enter the DraftKings free football survivor pool. It's that easy to get your share of $100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running for $1 million in cash prizes. And while while there's one big winner, everyone who signs up and enters DraftKings' free football survivor pool, will receive an instant bonus prize of at least $5 in value upon entering. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use that promo code DNVR to claim your share of $100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running for $1 million cash top prize. That's promo code DNVR to get your share of $100 million in prizes only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.
2: I'm hungry. I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. And I'm just thinking of a place to go get some lunch to satisfy both my thirst and my hunger. And there's very few places that are better to go in the Denver area than the farmhouse at Breckenridge Brewery's facility in Littleton. So make sure you get out there and, and go have a meal. But if you're not up to that, if you just want to pick up, no problem. 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. for pickup. Use that magical code DMVR. Save $5 off your meal. Of course, Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DMVR, and there is no There's no better place to enjoy Breckenridge Brews or pick up Breckenridge Brews than right there at their brewery in Littleton. You have the wide array of options from Breckenridge Brewery. If you just want to have some brews, no food, no problem. Go to your local grocery store in Colorado. Get that 15-can sampler. If you can't make up your mind which one you want, me, I'd get the Strawberry Sky. But if you want a variety go for that 15 can sampler and you'll be able to taste the array of brews from Breckenridge Brewery. If you're outside the state of Colorado, may not be able to get that sampler, but you can get Breckenridge brews. Go to the Breck Beer Finder on the website at breckbrew.com, find the nearest liquor store, gas station, farm, you know, drugstore, pharmacy, grocery store, whatever, the nearest place you can get Breckenridge Brews. I was able to find them in Madison, Wisconsin a couple months ago, early this summer. So if you can find it there, you can find it almost anywhere with that Breck beer finder. Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. All right, Mace, let's
0: talk to the people. First one coming in from Samuel B. Sue. And just a reminder on where you can leave a comment to be read on this podcast, go to the DNVR.com, go to the podcast tab in the top Uh, of this screen, click on the Broncos one. Then that first podcast that pops up is our most recent one. So click on that episode, scroll to the bottom of the page, and a comment section will pop up. And if you're a subscriber, you'll be able to leave your comments every single day for us to read there. So first one from Samuel B. Sue says, hey guys, if the Broncos have one of the best interior offensive lines in the league and our D-line is wrecking practice with interior pressure, what does that mean for the teams the Broncos will face this year? Who are the best and worst offensive lines this year? I'm loving the articles on the site. I look forward to practice reports every day. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much, Samuel.
2: I appreciate that, Samuel. Thank you very much for the kind comments. I think it's it's pretty easy for me. The best online line that they're going to see late November when the New Orleans Saints come in, of course, anchored by Ryan Ramcheck. You haven't heard enough about him from me over the years you'll probably hear more that week as I lament the fact the Broncos passed on the former University of Wisconsin star but the Saints are good across the board the worst O-line I think the worst O-line in football belongs to the Miami Dolphins and it's one reason why I'm worried about putting Tua Tagovailoa out there too soon. I don't think they will. Looks like he's well behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, but they might have to uh, turn to Josh Rosner, too, at some point this year, because I don't think that O-line is going to protect Ryan Fitzpatrick very well. I think he's going to be running for his life. That game, the Miami game, if if I look at the Broncos' schedule and say, okay, I think that one is not just a win, but a commanding win, a butt-kicking, it's the Miami game.
0: Ah, there we go. Love that Mace. Next one from Naderade. How much has Bryce Callahan worked in the slot or has he been exclusively on the outside? Uh, no, he, he's been all over the field and we actually got to talk to him today and I asked him where he's most comfortable playing. And he said inside because that's what he's pretty much been doing his entire career, but that he, he's not a stranger to outside either.
2: Yeah, he can do it, but he's clearly better on the inside. Now, that being said, when they go sub package, Bryce is kicking into the slot, and then whoever the number three cornerback is, uh, Devontae Bosby, Isaac Yadam, Devontae Harris, that guy lines up on the outside. We're seeing a lot of that. So Bryce is kind of handling that dual role that Chris Harris Jr. would handle uh, when he was the first teamer, but also working in the slot in sub-package downs. He's much better in the slot, though. It, he, you can see he's much more comfortable, and uh, when he's had problems uh, in camp today, it's been on the outside.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and he'll he'll be on the inside when there's three cornerbacks out there.
2: Yep, world of suck. Denver sports have broken my heart this weekend. Two Broncos questions, both with the Nuggets in mind. Number one, Jokic has not been able to take over in the playoffs as we've grown accustomed to. It may be unrelated, but I wonder if lingering lung damage from COVID have COVID has affected his stamina. What is your concern level as it relates to Vaughn, especially since his COVID, COVID, pardon me, was compounded by his asthma
0: you know just to be totally fair to this situation i'm not a doctor but what things have said is that we don't really know the long-term effects uh of this and because Vaughn is a little more um could with the asthma he could be impacted a little more he says he's feeling fine right now so i'm gonna go with that but mace i mean it, it's it's something that I, we can't put to bed completely because there's still so many unknowns about this so Uh, It's something that I'm not thinking of right now and worried about right now, but it's not something that I'll totally forget either.
2: Yeah, I don't think you can put it out of mind. And obviously, I think uh, it's telling to look at basketball. As a Braves fan, I'm seeing Freddie Freeman out there for the Braves every day and he looks good, but he's playing first base. The, the, he, the only times he's running is when he's running around the base paths, and actually he's looked pretty good when he's been asked to sprint around the base paths so far this season, and he's hitting the ball well. But, again, uh, it's not something that really I think is going to translate to what Von Miller does. We've talked about it earlier. If you're concerned about the long-term effects and if you're concerned about the stamina, why don't you just have Von Miller throttle back to what he was before Vic Fangio in terms of, his, in terms of the rate of plays that he has? playing 60 to 70% of the snaps instead of 90%. That might be the wiser play anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah, for for many reasons, definitely.
2: Second part of the question from World of Suck. The Nuggets are headed toward a round one exit. It doesn't look like it will be a very respectable series either. What do the Broncos need to accomplish this season to move up to number two in the Denver sports power rankings?
0: This is easy to me, and it's actually not that hard for the Broncos to accomplish. They need to make the playoffs. And if they make the playoffs, then they are trending up. They got to the exact same position that the Nuggets did in terms of just making the playoffs. And even if the Broncos have a round one exit and don't win a game in the playoffs, well, they'll be trending up when the Nuggets are kind of flatlining with just making the playoffs and not going anywhere. In fact, trending down since they won a series last year. And if they, they do, in fact, lose this series, uh, then they will be trending down from where they were last year.
2: Yeah, but at the same time, they were a three-seed, and they were a two-seed the year before. So I think for the Broncos to be number two, they have to win in the playoffs. Then you can say, okay, they did something more than the Nuggets did this season, so they would be number two. If they don't win in the playoffs, I think you're still putting the Broncos at number three, but it's very, very tight. It's just going to depend on if the Nuggets can't rebound over the next few days. Uh, what they can do to get back on the horse and uh, and repair things because you know it's it's a, the team is a defensive disaster right now one end of the court they're just awful now you have injuries playing a role in that but you know, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast I mean they're kind of historically bad if you go by some metrics in terms of scoring in terms of three-pointers allowed they've given up at least 14 threes to the jazz in every game so far in this series there are There are a lot of questions, and uh, I think taking a look at some of those numbers and a hard examination of them will remind them just how far they have to go.
0: Yeah, and I think another reason why I'm putting the Nuggets or the Broncos at two if they just make the playoffs uh, as opposed to having to win in the playoffs is because if the Nuggets do lose the series, which it very much looks like they will, especially if they lose in just five games – it's an incredibly disappointing season for them may say disappointing end, at least even with the, the number three seed and with the Broncos, if they make the playoffs, it's, it's, you're saying it's a win uh, of a season, even if they lose in that first round.
2: Yeah. But that's kind of, but you know, that's because you're saying, okay, based on the curve, the, the Broncos curve is they haven't been in the playoffs in four years. Right. So then if they both get to the first round, I mean, are you saying, okay, you're grading the Broncos on a curve when they accomplish the same thing and the Nuggets did win a playoff series? Whereas this Broncos team, if they go one and done the playoffs, it's good that they were in the postseason, but this generation of Broncos hasn't won a playoff game. So I'd still put the Nuggets ahead of them. I want to see how the Nuggets respond in the offseason if they go down here. I mean, I, think, I don't think they're going to come back. I think they could steal game five, uh, but I don't think they're going to come back and win this series. And what's what is their response going to be? Because I think the damning thing here is that the effort Hasn't always been there. The effort was there Sunday night, but it wasn't there on Friday afternoon. That's it. Wasn't close. On the defensive end, that is one of the most piss poor efforts I've ever seen from a team on any level of basketball college or pro. It it, It was embarrassing. People may call me
0: crazy Mace, but I also have more confidence in the Broncos to get to that next level after making the playoffs than I, than I do the nuggets because I think John Elway, Will make that big move if it needs to be made. Where the Nuggets have certainly, certainly drafted well and certainly uh, built a very good team, but they haven't gone for that killer move yet.
2: Yeah, this is the fork in the road moment for them. If they don't, if they go one and done here in the po- in the postseason, because uh, what do you do? I mean, you've you've got some A level talents on the roster, no doubt, but at the same time, uh, you're backsliding, and there are moments where. You have to say where the, the consistency of effort isn't there. Who do they, you know, who do they search for I'm sure Paul Millsap won't be back next year. What do you do? Uh, what do you do to replace him? What do you do with it? With that money you've got coming up. So yeah. Yeah. a. A crucial off season. We talk about how this is a season unlike any other in all the sports. Well, it's an off season unlike any other because it's gonna be happening in the late summer, early fall that they're gonna to have to make these moves. Speaking of Nuggets, DM forty five just says RK, what a effing game.
0: Yes, yes, what <laughs> what a game and it, it looks like the pizza bet. Ryan will not be getting a pizza with that double or nothing because, uh, man, the Nuggets are just blowing it for him. Uh, Broncos Sooners, New York Rangers. Hey, guys, happy Monday. Rough weekend for Denver sports, huh? I'm really just a diehard Broncos fan from a young age, but I have a soft spot for all things Denver because of it. Hoping your teams can get back on track. Go Avs, Nuggets, and Rockies. On to the team. I am a fan of Broncos. Jerry Judy has been hyped up so much. I'm so excited. Since he was drafted, I knew I was going to love the guy. Can you comment on how he seems to be fitting in with the new team? Is the hype justified? Thanks for reading. And, as always, a mile-high salute to the haters. Go Broncos.
2: You know what? I have an interesting comment on Jerry Judy. First of all, I think he's fitting in well. But what did you think of his comment on Drew Locke's leadership?
0: Mm, that he kind of takes a back seat and and talks when only when needed to.
2: Quiet leader, leading by yeah. example. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting to yeah. hear from Jerry Judy. Now that being said, Judy is a quieter player himself. Right, Hortland's going to be the talker. Jerry Judy is going to let his play do the talking, and you can kind of see it from him in practice. Jerry Judy is very businesslike. Yeah. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a good way. But he is, he's focused on his craft. He's a technician. He kind of keeps to himself. So maybe you know, he's not going to uh, be one of those guys who's kind of in the core of, the, of kind of personality and having fun. But he's out there. He's getting the job done, and he's trusted and all that. But that may be why he sees a different Drew Locke than maybe some of the other players do.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that that's a really good point. And Jerry's fitting in. He he's one of the guys yeah. you're just not really going to uh, to hear or see that he's not going to be hooting and hollering often.
2: There's, you know, what I I don't know if he's going to be tossing the ball back to the official when he scores. I'm sure he's going to celebrate, but there's a little Barry Sanders kind of all business feel that I get from Jerry Judy.
0: Yeah, yeah. This,
2: Go and you know go and do my job better than anybody else does, and then then we'll worry about the the rest. But first of all, I'm going to make sure that I am the best possible version of myself as a player that I can be, and putting in the work and kind of doing so quietly. Not the funny. He calls attention to himself with his moves and his play, not what yeah. he says.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Next one from Dan Burke with a Calvin Anderson quiet emoji. Hey, Zach and Mace. People keep discovering my sleepers. First Calvin Anderson, and now I've had to move on or move from Tyree Cleveland as both my sleeper boo thing because I'm almost certain that he's made the roster, so he's moved out of sleeper territory now. Do you feel the same way, or is he still fighting for a roster spot?
2: Well... No guarantees because you could still see guys like Fred Brown and Jawan Winfrey explode and make some plays. But I feel like Tyree Cleveland has the inside track right now for that roster spot. A big question for Tyree Cleveland is going to be special teams. Can he be a gunner for Tom McMahon in that phase of the game? I think that's going to determine whether he makes the roster or whether he passes through waivers because there is trust built up with, for example, Fred Brown in that special teams role with the back of the depth chart at wide receiver. Tyree Cleveland has to earn that, and he's not going to have preseason games to go out there and earn that trust.
0: Yeah, he's not there yet, but with injuries mounting in the wide receiver room, it's looking better and better for him. He says, my new sleeper is Kendall Kendall Hinton. Can y'all tell me a little more about what you've seen out of him? How's his speed, his ability after the catch, et cetera? One thing I like seeing from his time as a receiver at Wake is his toughness and his willingness to make catches over the middle. Has that been the case from what y'all have seen? Also, Mace, I appreciate your question to Donatel involving Josh Watson, although maybe the fact that he chose not to talk about Watson, even though you asked him about him, is telling.
2: Yeah, I did wonder about that. I, I sometimes wonder, though, if it might be a case of just Ed Donatel. He went down the path of answering a question and. Uh, I didn't remind him what the second part was because I don't want to. I don't want to hold up the press conference, and uh, and so I just thought, okay, we'll we'll just move on. So, yeah, I did. I did think about that a little bit. Kendall Hinton, real quick, one of the things I really like about him, and it actually works well with with Drew Locke and what the with this offense is. It, you know, you have a quarterback who can extend plays with his legs, right? Yep. Kendall Hinton is very good at as if the play is extended by the quarterback breaking off his route and finding open gaps in the secondary. And even in the red zone, he did that once when I was out of practice last week, uh, when he broke off his route, got open. And I believe it was Brett Ripon who found him, but that's the sort of thing kind of taking the play as it's designed and going beyond that. That's something Kendall Hinton's very good at, just reacting to how, to the chaos in the moment after the snap and finding gaps in coverage. He's exceptional at that. I think uh, he'll be on the practice squad, but there's enough to keep you coming back and see where he goes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He—he he, I've liked what I've seen from him, but I think he may be going too down the line for sleepers to actually make the team down, but I do like that one. Sir James Radio, through nine days in camp now, what is your optimal starting five for the offensive line? Also, has anybody hooked up Lloyd Cushenberry with the sponsorship deal with the green solution yet? It (laughs) sells itself,
2: guys. (laughs) Man, man, man. I don't know if the NFL wants their guys doing those types of sponsorships quite yet.
0: So, yeah. I mean, they, they just, they just got into the gambling business. Give them a couple of years until they're allowing that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Although that being said, there are some that say that when you go into the pool, you shouldn't, uh, if the water is a bit cold, you shouldn't kind of gently go in that you should just dive right in, you know, Deal with everything at once, you know. Have the shock of the cold water rather than oh, I'm gonna get my get up to my midsection here, and then up to my chest, and then get my armpits wet, and then finally go all go all in. That's the philosophy the NFL is taking. Sometimes you just gotta dive right in.
0: <laughs> uh, well, i certainly no one speaking about pools. Yeah, you have to dive right in. You can't do the one step at a time. That is that is misery right there.
2: Yep, Broncos five oh two, my boys. You got me. Finally, pull the trigger and subscribe. Well, welcome to the fam. We appreciate welcome, having you along. Welcome. Thank you so much. I spent 20 years in the Army and recently retired in Louisville, Kentucky. Finding the DMVR family has been amazing. And just where I need to get all my Broncos news while living outside of Denver, keep up the great work, and can't wait to visit the DMVR bar next time I'm in town. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. Congratulations on your retirement and from going from the real army to the DNV army.
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for your service, Broncos 502. And uh, man, we're so pumped to have you rolling with us. Yep.
2: My question for you guys, any update on the ownership and trust working things out? I really feel like the lack of a real owner has been one of the main issues hurting Denver and getting out of the slump. Ellis runs the team as a business, and Mr. Bowen ran the team as a family. I'm ready for PFM to take the team over and for things to get back to their winning ways. Well, the lawsuit that involves uh, some members of the Bowen family uh, against the trust, uh, that's going to be heard next year. That got kicked down the road. One of many uh, impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic is uh, kicking some legal matters uh, into the future. And and, and so that's when that's going to be taken up. All indications are it will go to trial. They've had uh, uh, depositions on that over the last few months, but It's going to go to trial, Um, and so until that happens, everything is in a holding pattern here. I know that, and the other thing is, it's interesting how often people mention Peyton Manning as a future owner, and I think part of it is because he was part of an ownership group that tried to get the Panthers, fell short. They sold to David Tepper. David Tepper, worth $11 billion, had a cash offer. So even though the Ben Navarro group of which Peyton Manning uh, had been approached uh, didn't uh, didn't get the team, uh, they actually had a, a bigger offer, but it wasn't all cash. So Peyton's already floating in some circles that uh, would get him involved. The question is, he'd ha- I think for that to work, he'd he'd have to find a scenario where where others were providing a lot of the money, but were willing to let Peyton Manning run it on day to day basis, and he could be the managing partner. And that's a tricky thing because. If you're a billionaire and you buy into a team, you probably want to run it. You probably want it to be your call.
0: Yeah, of course. So. If you're putting billions of dollars on the right. line, you, you want to make the shot. So you're right. That is the tricky part uh, of that. And speaking of tricky things, man, WGT mm-hmm. golf. has some tricky holes on there. I'm still trying to learn. But I want you guys to learn and play with me. And likely if we play together, you will beat me because I'd never end up on that leaderboard at the end of our tournament. So how do you play with us? Well, go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT. Please go to dnvrgolf.com to download the app. It's free. It's the same process. Uh, That just lets WGT know that you want to play with us. Once you've downloaded the app, go into the clubhouse section of the app and search for DNVR3. That's DNVR and the number 3. And that will allow you to join one of our clubhouses. We've already had two clubhouses that have filled up. So we opened up a third one and it's probably going to fill up pretty soon. So make sure to get your spot in there because that gets you access to everything that we're doing uh, as a, as a community and family over at WGT, including our weekly tournaments that we have just wrapped one up this weekend. So make sure you get in on WGT golf. It's been my favorite golf app for the past decade. In fact, my favorite app for for the, for the past decade. So make sure to check them out because I love it. And I think you guys will love it too. So hit up dnbrgolf.com to download WGT.
2: You've probably taken up some other sports in the course of this pandemic and followed other sports. Maybe you followed rugby. I got into rugby watching it down in New Zealand Well, there's a lot of things going on in rugby right here in the good old U S of A and right here in Colorado DNVR is now covering all things rugby in Colorado and the United States with our reporter Colt Strickler, who's keeping you up to date on all things American rugby with the DNVR Rugby podcast. And you can also find his written stories right here on DNVR with the rest of our coverage. Just recently, it was announced that Infinity Park in Glendale will be the new official training center for the men's and women's USA Eagles 15s teams, which makes Colorado the place to be for rugby in the United States. So. Keep up with rugby by listening to the DNVR Rugby podcast. You can learn about the game of rugby. He, Colton will do those basic one-on-one pods, those rugby one-on-one podcasts and break down the game for you. So if you're new to rugby and you want to understand it, this is the best way to do it. And of course, Colton will also have you have interviews for you with some of the biggest names in American rugby. So download the DNVR Rugby podcast and follow along at DNVR Rugby on Twitter for all the latest and what's going on with. United States, USA Eagles, rugby, men's and women's. Without a doubt. Next one coming in from LDJ.
0: Hey guys, thank you so much for your coverage. And Ryan, incredible, incredible important. Is it the chicken or the egg about the consistency of the offense or defense? I rather have days of this and that winning as opposed to just one side of the ball consistently dominating. Couple questions. When will DeMar Dotson move to the depth chart, move up the depth chart? Do you think KJ's rookie season could be derailed? Seems every day things look more and more bleak for KJ. So Mace, let's get to those two really quick.
2: Yeah. And you know what? KJ Hamler's rookie season, I think you have to downgrade the expectations for it with the hamstring. They're not going to rush him back. That's okay. Okay. Don't mess up K.J. Hamler for the long term for the sake of having him back maybe too early this year. The hamstring, you've got to be very careful with, and this is the thing that could really ruin him if you if you rush him back and turn this into something that is lingering. So you've got to play the long game with K.J. Hamler. And also, DeMar Dotson, according to Ryan Konigsberg earlier this podcast, he was working with the twos today.
0: Yeah, so that's good. It seems like he is moving up, which is good. And yet you have to play it safe with KJ. No need to rush. And I do think the Broncos will play it safe. He says, lastly, who would you rather have in fantasy football? Because you can't get them all, unfortunately. Would you rather have Drew and Cortland or Fant and Jerry Judy? Jerry Judy is going pretty high, by the way, in drafts. I've done like eight to 10th, 10th round.
2: Okay. Um. I mean, Cortland's, I think, can be among the top 10 wide receivers in the game this year. Noah Fant, I think, could be somebody who scores six to eight touchdowns. The thing with Noah Fant, and why I'm going to go with Fant and Jerry Judy, is that there are – fewer tight ends that are productive enough to justify starting in fantasy football and I think Fant can become one of those tight ends this year and definitely if it's a keeper league I'm going Fant and Jerry Judy Drew Locke I just don't think is going to have enough opportunities to where he has the kind of huge numbers that put him up there with some of the other quarterbacks that you could have in fantasy I think for this year Drew Locke is probably going to be a backup in fantasy purposes
0: yeah, I'm with the value there. I'm going Jerry, Judy, and Noah Fan because I think you, got, you get those guys later in the draft, especially if Judy's going eight, nine, or 10th 10. round. Man, I'd love that value with Judy. So thanks for checking in with us, LDJ. Love hearing from you.
2: Yep, 100%. Race City Bronco. My boys. Great discuss- discussion, pardon me, yesterday on how DeMar Dotson should be getting reps with the ones and, and with the first and second team. With all these reports of Elijah Wilkinson getting beat daily by Vaughn, Malik Reed, and others, when will the coaches open their eyes? All right. Moving on to my actual question with the injuries to KJ Hamler and Jawan Winfrey. It was reported the Broncos brought in Cody White to fortify the position, but I thought it was interesting they did not bring back Zamari Manning, who was cut before camp started. He had some impressive highlights in college and had some versatility, even playing a few games as his team's emergency punter in college. He was still available and even posted on Twitter Sunday night he was hoping for a tryout somewhere. Did something happen during the Zoom portion of the offseason? How did he fall out of favor so quickly? I haven't heard of anything happening with Zoom. Uh, Sometimes this is just a scenario where with, with Cody White that he's available And maybe the Broncos would have wanted him in earlier, but couldn't get him. But here's the chance to add him when they have a needed receiver. So go ahead and pick him up. I think that's all that is. I don't think it's anything against Zamari Manning, just that they may have prioritized Cody white higher among undrafted rookies when they were on that market. He's available. So take a look at him.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, it probably means that they wanted Cody white more than Zamari Manning uh, after the draft. And, Cody White, maybe just uh, another team caught his eye more than the Broncos. So that's what I would think there. I wouldn't think it was anything to do with uh, Zamari himself. And, man, we're asking the same question, Ray City Bronco. When will the Broncos let some other guys move up the depth chart at right tackle? We're right there with you.
2: Maybe a promising sign they move Lloyd Cushenberry up, so starting to see some depth chart fluidity. Count Locula, do you walk to work or carry your lunch? Go Red Herrings, love the count.
0: Oh, man. I I walk to work while carrying my lunch, and it's uphill both ways, Mace.
2: Oh, the uphill both ways thing. (laughs) You sound like every parent in history. Wow. When uh, I was a kid, I went to school uphill both ways in the snow. If you're going uphill both ways, that means you're going downhill both ways at some point, too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's true. Next one from onion town links. Hey guys, what's the word on the backup safety job? Is anyone standing out? I remember when when Justin Simmons was a backup. Do you think we might take a safety in next year's draft? If nobody takes on the role this season, I believe a fourth rounder or later could be used, but perhaps the departure of K Jack will bring in a higher round safety. Anyways, I'm afraid this will be my last comment for a while because my year subscription is ending and I can't afford to re up at present, but you know, as as soon as I'm able, I'll be back and commenting again. I'll be listening every day just as all, just like always. And as the Navajos say, having no word for goodbye, see you later. Links. Well, we,
2: we appreciate you riding with us as, as a subscriber, and we are thankful for the fact that you'll still be listening to the podcast. Uh, can't wait to see you back in the comments again when everything uh, uh, stabilizes financially for you. So uh, we'll, we'll be looking out for you, and we'll be uh, keeping the door open. Now, safety in the draft. Um, I'm not sure they wait until the fourth round to take a safety. I think it's a position they could target earlier. And it's not just Kareem Jackson. They could let him go to create cap space, but also Justin Simmons. Can you get him re-signed? Do you have to put a second franchise tag on him? What happens there? Um, Safety, even though... It's arguably the best position in terms of the two starters on the roster. You get past those guys, and then you look at their contract situations, and it's a position that is in a lot of flux, and it's one that you're going to have to monitor closely over the next uh, eight to nine months here. I would say this as the backups go. It's Trey Marshall, and he started the last couple of games, and then a lot of question marks. Don't be surprised, Zach, if they bring in – a veteran back of the roster safety here, toward the end of camp or after the cuts around the league.
0: Yeah, wouldn't be surprised at that at all. And uh, good question, Oniontown Links, because I had the same question. So I asked Ed Donatel that yesterday about the depth at safety, <laughs> and and what did he do? I said, "Who who is standing out to you behind the two starters?" And he went on to list every single backup safety that the team has, (laughs) which tells me that not really one guy is standing out. Trey Marshall is clearly that first backup. But then Mace, I don't think anyone else has jumped out to, to them or us. So it's a good question. And Mace, the Broncos have the best starting safety duo in the league right now they could easily be without either of those guys next year. And if that's the case, it's not crazy to say that the Broncos could use a first round pick on a safety. Uh, I think they'll definitely keep one of those guys, at least either Kareem or Justin. And it's not crazy to say a day two pick on the safety.
2: Yeah. I would also say if you're talking about the two backups as of right now, I would bet on uh, Trey Marshall plus Elijah Holder, the converted cornerback uh, as those, as the guys who are immediately behind Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson, but uh, uh, yeah. there's a lot to consider. Don't forget Michael Ojamudia, somebody who can have kind of a hybrid role. Maybe you think about giving him a little bit of a look there at some point, too.
0: Yeah, you definitely hope that Elijah Holder can practice soon because he was one of the guys that missed today. Yep,
2: yep, another soft tissue issue.
0: Last one coming in from Just Ice Hold the Water. Happy Monday, fellas. Do you think AJ Boye is benefiting from working in Vic's defensive scheme or? Is it difficult to tell because the guy is playing really good ball? Also, okay.
2: how
0: is, we can jump into that one, Mace.
2: Yeah, let's jump in there. I think he's playing good ball because he's in the scheme.
0: <laughs> right. He,
2: he's a zone corner. It's what he does best. The Jaguars, when they got away from it, that's where his struggles began and then multiplied. He's able to get comfortable. The only thing that is different for him from when the Jaguars emphasize zone is that he's the CB1, not the CB2, but he's holding up well so far. I think think it's one of those chicken and the egg things. He's playing really good ball, but is he doing it because of the scheme? I I think the scheme has helped A.J. Boye become the player that he was. I'm not expecting him to be what he was in 2017, but maybe a, a player somewhere in between where he was last year and where he was at that 2017 Apex.
0: Yeah, that's very fair. And he goes on and says, also, how is Drew's and Pat Shermer's relationship? Having a quarterback and offensive coordinator on the same page really makes a world of difference. If those two can work together fluidly, then it makes me feel a little bit better about the offense,
2: despite their struggles up front. Every indication is they're getting along. Great. Yep, Haven't heard any, any rumblings, any hints of any issues. Seems like they're doing well. Uh, Also helps having Mike Shula as the quarterback coach and, uh, he's as, as a quarterback coach, he's as good as you're going to find.
0: Yeah, and it, it really seems like Pat's going to work with Drew to find out exactly what Drew wants, especially earlier in the season, to not force anything uncomfortable on him or the
2: offense. 100%.
0: Well, Mace, that was a blast. Thanks for kicking off your Monday with us, guys. But before we get out of here, because I love WGT so much, got to tell you about it again. We want you to play with us. So go to dnvrgolf.com, download WGT Golf go into the clubhouse section, join our third clubhouse. So type in DNVR in the number three, join that clubhouse and get in on all the good stuff we've got going on, including week weekend tournaments every single week. And you can also play on your own or with other DNVR members. I love D or WGD golf because it's so realistic. And I love playing real courses out there like pebble beach, and St. Andrews. So make sure to go to dnvrgolf.com, download WGT golf and join the DNVR three clubhouse. Well, Mace that'll do it today for us. It's been an absolute blast. Happy to recap kind of the first nine practices of training camp with you guys today. Thank you so much for rolling with us for Andrew Mason. I'm Zach Stevens. Have a terrific Monday and we'll be right back with you tomorrow.